Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the January 14, 2024 session, focusing on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20, from solo to symphony. I'm David Cassidy. I'm David Adams. I'm Crystal Shepard. And I'm Daniel Glaze. We have just come through the holidays, a lot of holidays. There was Thanksgiving, and then we had, of course, Christmas and New Year's. And if your family is like mine, you spend a lot of time in the kitchen. There's a lot of cooking to do, right? And it's interesting. I notice this in different people in my family. Uh, There are some people that enjoy having a lot of folks around in the kitchen, helping, working together to prepare something. And then there are others that are like, get out of my kitchen. I'm trying to cook. So for you, would you say that you'd rather be in the kitchen alone working on something or have help? Alone. Wow. No, think about it. No, I want to be alone, (laughs) especially if I'm baking. I don't need anybody talking to me. I need to be able to focus on the recipe. I need to be able to get the exact measurements. Baking is my happy place. Do not put anybody else in there with me. Okay. So alone. It's clear. (laughs) Does your family understand this? Yes, for the most part. Yes, for the most part. And my daughter last night asked her to bake brownies last night, and she did the same thing that I do. She's like, why are there so many people in the kitchen? Everybody needs to get out. I'm trying to do this. And I was like, oh, no, I have created a monster. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm I'm a little of both. Okay, so I would rather – I'm the – chef in our family, I I would rather do the cooking by myself, but I love to have people there talking with me, talking about the day or whatever, but I don't need any help. It's also really nice to have, especially if you have someone like washing dishes as you're cooking, Mm. that's that we can deal with that too. So that's not bad. So I'm a little of both. I think I'm a little of both, but honestly, if I'm doing that kind of stuff, I like to play music and I like to watch TV and do those other things. And that disturbs the people around me. So I don't want them in there to turn it down. Not let me watch it. <laughs> if they just want to hang out while I'm having food, not doing that, eh, I can live with it. <laughs> I was trying to think how I, I would answer that question. I like to cook and I do a lot of the cooking, but I like having somebody in there as long as they understand that I'm going to be asking them things to do. So I'm like, would you check on that? Would you stir that? Would you put this in and set a timer for this? Would you? I'm terrible. I'm bossy in the kitchen. I know that would probably surprise all of you, but <laughs> shocked, mm-hmm. shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you pour me out this? Cut, cut me this. <laughs> but part of that is if you're manning the grill, yeah. Plus mm-hmm. trying to do, See? I mean, that you, That's yeah, hard. you need to say, yeah. When that rice hits a boil, turn it down, set the timer for 14 minutes. Mm. You, you can't do all that. Okay. So let's say you're making smash burgers on the grill, right? I got a big yeah. cast iron grate. I've got it oiled. It's hot. You put that meat on there and press it down. Well, see, my son-in-law, Adam, he knows once I've pressed it and removed the press, he slaps on a piece of cheese and salt and peppers, <laughs> the whole thing just right. So it's I can start my flipping and make my make back around because it didn't take long, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus, he's really good. He folds the corners of the cheese before he puts it onto the... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You've trained. (laughs) Yes, you have. (laughs) We make a good team and a good burger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We have an interesting passage here from 1 Corinthians. Daniel, would you help us get started? Sure. So today's passage is going to be a challenging one. 
It has everything to do with the limits of individual rights and to what extent those rights are superseded by the needs of the community. I say this will be challenging for us because, and this will shock no one, many of us live in a culture that worships the Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. In many parts of our culture, we hold individual liberties above and beyond what is best for a community and just other people. Some feel it is their right to carry a gun whenever and wherever they please, without any regard to whether doing so makes a situation or community less safe. Some feel it is their right to make as much money as they possibly can, without any regard to the impacts that doing so makes on the environment, the poor, or even their own workers. Some feel it is their right to sleep with whomever they please without any regard to the trail of tears and destruction that such behavior might cause. Such self-centric worldviews run contrary to our Christian values in several ways. For one thing, it ignores the great gift of Christian community, a way of, of seeing ourselves not as simply a group of individuals, but as people who are better together than we are apart. Second, such a strong focus on self ignores the way our selfish behavior impacts others and the world. Third, when we behave this way, the focus is placed upon self rather than the one who created us, who loves us and continually redeems us. All things are permitted, Paul says, but that doesn't mean all things are good to do. Sure, Christ has set us free, but our freedom has limits. As the old saying goes, your freedom to swing your fist ends where my nose begins. We are not free to do whatever we desire to do. We as people of faith are free to do whatever God desires us to do. If I proclaim that I am free to eat whatever I want, what does that mean for a society where now a third of the U.S. population is obese? What does that mean for a global planet where almost a billion people live in perpetual hunger? Is that not a spiritual problem? I'm afraid we have made freedom and individual liberty into idols. Whatever it is that we feel we are free to do, even to the point of excess, will eventually dominate us. I'll have to channel my inner Burt Montgomery and remind you of that line from the Eagles song Desperado. These things that are pleasing you hurt you somehow. Paul goes on to say, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? Now I need to hit the pause button here because we need to be clear about something. Your body is not your own sounds contrary to something I have taught my own children. I have encouraged my daughters to know that their bodies do belong to them, and no one has a right to hug, kiss, touch, or do anything to their bodies without their consent. So what is Paul getting at? Your body is a temple, and it is not your own. It's important to note that the your here is plural. He's addressing a community, a group of people. This group of people, which is part of the body of Christ, is not our own. It is a creation of God, and it is to be used not for individual gain or selfish ambition, but to glorify God and serve all of creation. 
That may be a minor point, but I don't think it is. And Paul's overall theme here, I believe, is clear. What matters, what really matters, is what is best for the community. Now, we may disagree on what's best for the community, and that's a conversation worth having. But as followers of Christ, let's keep our eyes focused on what is good for others, not necessarily what is best for ourselves. That's a little background on our text for today. Daniel, thank you so much for that background on the scripture. I I really appreciate what you said, giving us a better picture of what it means that our body is not our own. That really stuck out to me because as a woman of faith, that scripture has been used in really negative ways in the past. And so like for you to acknowledge that as a male person of authority, it's nice to hear that. And it's nice to hear what you've taught your daughters in that expanding that scripture beyond talking about one specific thing, but bringing it more fully to express our bodies belong to God, to be used by God to help the larger community. I, I, I like that, that look at that passage because I've not always heard it that way. And, it, and that's not always the way I understood it, even in college. I actually had that scripture handwritten with little swirly doodads all around it taped to my dorm wall. But it was in that context of like purity culture instead of in this context of we're giving these bodies to be the hands and feet of Christ. Yeah, I, th- I appreciate your saying that because I, th- I think that's really important. This has been a, a verse that has been misinterpreted, I think, or passage uh, to uh, precisely what you say, that your your body is not your own it is given over to this larger purpose of purity culture mm-hmm. whereas yeah the two things yes you're you're exactly right that was the point i was trying to make that our bodies part of god's working in the world mm-hmm. and in that respect it's part of that is is the freedom to to be who god wants us to be but also that that we together and i'll even talk this podcast community it's not for me personally, so that it is not my own, but for all of us and for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, I think it's part of this overall theme of trying to point beyond ourselves mm-hmm. to realize that we are members of a beautiful and beloved community, and we're better together than we are just a group of individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't think so. But I think it's important to look at the fact that we owe something to that. That it's religion is not something to take easily, and not something that just gives us what we want, gives us our jolly, and we run off clutching our precious little thing. But we share something together. We we owe it to God to share things together, to be together in that way, and, and not just to be in this for ourselves. And I find myself constantly preaching about folks who take religion as something that they get something mm. as opposed to they share something. Mm. Yeah, and I think too much religion has been, we get something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often have you heard someone saying, talk about leaving your church or their own church and say, it wasn't meeting my needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't, I'm not entirely dismissing that because we do have 
needs within a community to to be valued, to have our gifts valued, our voices heard. But sometimes what we mean is, I didn't like the music (laughs) or the themes that I didn't like or that I didn't want to hear were ones that they made a demand that I did not want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, those because being part of community has demands with it. It's part mm-hmm. of the identity of yourself as a member of the community. There are demands that are being understood or being made. And if your body is not your own, so to speak, then that means you have to go ahead and go with those particular demands, acknowledge them and say, this is what it means to be a Christian. Sorry, I'm going to have to accept some uncomfortable things. Now, it's different, I know, between different communities. But look at and in mind, one of the things I'm constantly telling folks is, you're going to have to accept some uncomfortable things. You, you've been told growing up that women don't have a place in church, for instance. And I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to have to accept that's not true if you're going to be a part of what we're, we're doing here. That's part of owning this. That's part of being part of this community is owning that. And not everybody's ready to accept that being part of the community means that kind of thing, means giving something up. I love the distinction between getting and sharing that that I heard us describing there. But I also, I think we ought to at least put a pin in the fact that there are also unhealthy expressions of community. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that there's a whole movement right now of where they talk about, people talk about deconstruction of their, in particular, evangelical experiences, where mm-hmm. they have been part of churches where community was about control. Mm-hmm. It was about adherence to particular ways of thinking, believing, being. And it made me think, yes, I can see completely that sometimes we approach congregational life as what we can get out of it, as opposed to what we can share with others. But I think we also have that kind of a dichotomy where we can make the choice between a a Christian community that is about control, as opposed to a Christian community that's about, say, thriving. About Because what I hear you, David, saying about, for example, the role of women, that's a thriving issue, right? If we yep. believe yes. all of us are here to help each other thrive and become all we can be, then that's, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> but threatened by that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a tricky issue because there, right now, I think in 2024 is a time when a lot of us are thinking about really what does it mean to be Christian community? Mm-hmm. Here's where my mind is going, and I don't know if I've told this before, but I will admit that first, when the pandemic first hit, we all immediately pivoted to live streaming, and and it's what we had to do. And then when when it was initially safe for most folks, not for everyone, but it was a gradual thing. But when it became safe for most folks to to gather again in person. I was so looking forward to the end of live streaming because I thought, because this, this is the real Christian expression here gathered together in the same room and some folks who are just joining from re- remotely, they're just looking in and not really digging deep in the community. And that's, I'm ashamed now to say that's what I thought, but I, and then I grew to to realize that is a valid expression and folks are doing the best that they can do. And, and that worldview widened even more recently when it was toward the end of summer i believe and and someone said thank you for your commitment to this to the live stream for the past 18 months or so because of this i have not missed worshiping with my church one sunday 
They take their iPad on vacation with them. And wherever they are at 11 a.m. Eastern time, they, they gather with their community in worship. And what, so what I, what I originally saw as this sort of very individualistic, let me just watch worship on this screen was so much deeper. And I began thinking, gosh, here is someone who has taken some limitations and realized, no, the community is so important. And you know what? Their worship attendance has been better than mine has <laughs> or other people's because they began to see this differently and seeing it beyond their own individual needs and what's also good for my community. This idea, I was just thinking about the idea of not everybody gets what they want mm -hmm. and they have to give up something. Um, it just, it struck me because we are such an entitled nation and it's hard to say that. It's hard to say because we all think we've had it hard and we've had difficulties. Everybody's had difficulties, but I just, I think coming to a community and realizing that when you come to a community, everyone gives a little and everyone takes a little, if that makes sense. So it's this kind of symbiosis there. And I think that's ideally what Christian community would be. And I think what happens is it's in a lot of cases morphed into something that is more about control and more about what do I want and who can the bigger group of eyes went out over the smaller group of eyes. And, and that kind of ties into what what Daniel was saying about seeing community differently and making your community more far reaching for people. Cause we don't know what people experience and how they are dealing in life. And it's beautiful to hear that story, Daniel, just because that person gets to be a part of that community. I'm one of those people. I don't attend a church service in person. Our church family is in Louisville and I have a toddler. I've also been deeply wounded by church. I don't think that's mm -hmm. been obvious at all in any of my intros, but I, so for me, it is very helpful to be a part of a community where I can sit in my safe space and experience gathering with that community, but also give myself space to grieve and to heal. So I think we all give a little and we all take a little when we come to community. And I, I hope that our listeners and the churches are learning that and doing that. It requires us to, I think, expand our thoughts. And I think that's what you were getting at, Daniel. It requires us to think differently about what community looks like. Maybe community isn't just in four walls. Maybe it reaches beyond that. Maybe community. Let's talk about the original, like early church. We're meeting in people's homes, or I'm going to say it. Some early Christians met in graveyards. <laughs> so it's. I think things look different. I'm just appreciative of this podcast and what it brings for people to kind of look at things differently and see that there are different needs that are there. I have nothing to add to that because it was said so beautifully. Other <laughs> oh, thank than. You. <laughs> Other than I, I just want to affirm that that is not a devaluing of community to say I, I engage in this way or or virtually right. or whatever, because um, that is a valid expression. We talk about being with someone in spirit. Mm -hmm. If we if we're going to mean it, then let's mean it. And the beauty of community 
transcends the people gathered together in one mm-hmm. room. And that's where that mystical nature of being joined in, in God's spirit really is alive for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happens. I don't know physic or, or in in a world of physics, how that actually happens. But yes, we remain connected with one another. And that is so comforting. Like I think about, there's been several Sundays that I've thought, and this is going to sound so corny, but I've visited different churches. So I have where Bert used to pastor, my really good friend is pastoring there. And so I think about their worshiping at this time. And I've thought about Daniel. I've actually thought Daniel's probably preaching right now. And all of these things, it's nice to feel that connection through the Spirit. I, I wish that like we could tap into that more often in our faith um, and realize how connected we are and how alike we are, rather than looking at these differences and thinking, I, I, but more like we, we've been talking more of a, we are connected in the spirit, even with people we don't agree with. <laughs> I had to throw that in. Careful now. <laughs> and it's the, hard. <laughs> that, that may be the best definition of your body's not your own or interpretation, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. It's not just about you, but includes even those we don't like. (laughs) (laughs) The great mystic and author of books on spirituality, Thomas Merton, once described America's, the flavor of Christianity that often overemphasized individualism. He described it as a heresy of individualism. He said this in a book called New Seeds of Contemplation. He says, people who know nothing of God and whose lives are centered on themselves imagine that they can only find themselves by asserting their own desires and ambitions and appetites in a struggle with the rest of the world. They can only conceive of one way of becoming real cutting themselves off from other people and building a barrier of contrast and distinction between themselves and others. But he goes on to say, I must look for my identity, not only in God, but in others. I will never be able to find myself if I isolate myself from the rest of mankind as if I were a different kind of being. We truly are connected, and that's by design. That's by creation. In fact, I'm looking out my window right now at a beautiful sunset, and I see a lake, and I see horses off (laughs) across the way. I see trees and birds, and all of this is connected. And I think it's a wonderful reminder for us, simply looking at the glory and beauty of creation that we too are connected to one another. We are part of this creation. And that's a good thing. That's by design. May we this year seek to find new ways to be community together and to recognize how we can see God in each other as we serve together in this year. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.